Thank you for joining us for episode five of the Business Playbook. In each episode, we provide business professionals clear, proven strategies for winning at work and moving their organizations forward, all within the time it takes to finish a cup of coffee. I'm Emmy Boyette at the NC Chamber, and today we're discussing a topic that has, as a result of the pandemic particularly, really been catapulted into discourse these days, and that's mental health. Today, we'll be discussing mental health and well-being from an employer perspective, bringing listeners some strategies for promoting whole person health in the workplace. I'm joined today by Gary Salamito, President and CEO of the NC Chamber, and Melissa Siegel, Administrative Director of Culture and Well-Being for the Duke Center for Healthcare Safety and Quality. In her role, she helps develop, coordinate, and facilitate culture and well-being efforts across Duke Health and beyond. Melissa and Gary, thank you both for joining me today for this really important conversation. Melissa, I want to start with you. Um, you're, you're someone, considering where you work, you see the impact of mental health every single day. And so I wondered if you could tell us a little bit about how the pandemic has exacerbated this mental health crisis in North Carolina in particular, um, and how you see it impacting employees in the short and long term. Sure. And, and thank you for having me. I'm delighted to be here. Um, since the pandemic has started, we've seen a significant increase in symptoms of anxiety and depression, alcohol and drug use thoughts of suicide and stress-related symptoms. And if you look at North Carolina alone, there's been a 40% increase in adults reporting symptoms related to mental wow. health issues. Wow, 40%? Wow. Um, it's, it's, it's huge, right? And so when we think about what's actually going on for our people, um, it's a lot. So there's the stress of social isolation and lack of connections for those who are working at home. We have the fear of getting COVID, especially early on for those on the front lines, right? Our essential workers, like right. healthcare workers, grocery store employees. We have grief from death of family members and friends. Some of those are due to the pandemic and some of those are completely non-pandemic related. There's grief from loss of routines, right? Our routines have changed. Our social connections have changed. Our ability to attend funerals and be with family during holidays and family events. We have concerns around finances. For some of us, we have had job losses or reduced hours. Some have left jobs due to caregiving responsibilities. Then we have the stress related to work, right? We're working harder and longer due to staffing shortages. Right. And then, of course, you add the health disparities in COVID. And a lot of these things hit our minority communities even harder. So while we have this increase in mental health needs, there's also a decrease in availability of mental health practitioners. Right. So... You know, as I think about it, the bottom line is that the effect on our employees is huge, right? We can't ignore all of those issues because we don't leave those aspects of ourselves at home. We bring all of that to work. So increased anxiety and depression, drug and alcohol use all affect work, our work output, right? Our ability to concentrate, our ability to have hard conversations, our connections with colleagues, and of course, decisions around our jobs. People are leaving their work in huge numbers due to workload, environment, safety, pay, et cetera. So the effect is really huge. It really is. I mean, it's put us all through the ringer, as you showed in so many different ways. We each probably have our own unique story of how we have suffered, you know, in terms of our mental health in some form or another throughout the duration of, of this pandemic. So thank you for all of that. Um, 
Gary, I want to get to you. Uh, May, as you know, is Mental Health Awareness Month. And at the NC Chamber, you know, we're starting to make some strides in this space and, and take some ownership of it um, in terms of making some tools and resources available for, for employers. Um, so first off, I'd love for you to talk about why and how the NC Chamber is making an investment in this area in particular. Thank you, Emmy and, uh, and Melissa. Thank you for what you do every day uh, uh, to talk about a, a, an issue that's been around a long time and, uh, and how you help take care of people and help businesses sort out what they can do for people. And you know, so the mental health and uh, employees' mental health has been a longstanding issue for the business community. It's been around a long time. And as Melissa pointed out, it was exacerbated by the pandemic. Uh, it was put into a very, very uh, bright light and the pressures that, that Melissa talked about all came together. Uh, I think if there's anything that can be gained uh, is we all have shared experiences now, all of them not being good, the pressures uh, you know, of everything we had to deal with, the uncertainty, the unknowns. We have some shared experiences now and some shared frame of references that uh, give us and create an opportunity to talk about mental health in a way we haven't talked about it before uh, in, in a much more open way and in a way that uh, we can make some real differences. So when we at the chamber were talking about it, we're like everyone else. We, uh, our staff came from different places, had different experiences. And uh, as we listened to our staff and as we listened to our members, became clear that uh, we needed to take a more a prominent role in talking about mental health and removing the stigmas and helping people to recover, help people come back to work, help them to integrate back into their normal lives as much as their work lives. It's a responsibility that we have. So well, we're, we're looking forward to being an active part in helping people through this process. So, you know, the chamber will do a couple of things. Uh, you know, we're going to uh, have a couple of webinars. Uh, we're starting right now with, with, with Melissa here. We're going to do we'll do more there. Uh, we're collecting information. There'll be a landing page and a toolkit for businesses and our members to come to. They're sharing information. Uh, and so one of the things that, that we do here is we want to take the information and the good work that our members are doing with people like Melissa and her colleagues to take care of folks and let other folk, let other companies know about that and, and have access to it and look for ways to adapt it to their, to their workplace. So uh, it's really important as we all recover from a time that none of us have any experience with. Agreed. And I, that toolkit is so exciting and, and I'm really looking forward to the webinars we're going to host. For those who are listening right now, the NC Chamber will be hosting a series of webinars on mental health beginning in May. And you can always visit the events section of our website at ncchamber.com to find more information about those events and to register. So definitely looking forward to that. Melissa, I want to get back to you because I think if there's any organization that's doing this really well from an employer perspective, it's probably yours. Um, can you tell me about what the Duke Center for Healthcare Safety and Quality does for Duke Health employees and also for the community at large? Absolutely. So we have a number of programs and resources. Um, many are Duke internal, but some of the at least information is on our external facing website. 
So our overarching program that's an internal program is called Caring for Each Other. And that includes actually four sub-programs. So one of those is individual peer support, where we have peers to provide emotional support to their colleagues, either responsive, so someone could reach out for support, or proactive, where we reach out actually to colleagues based on certain signals and provide support. Um, so the second is we have group support. So if something affects a department, it could be an adverse healthcare outcome, but also a team member death or significant turnover in a particular department, we can provide group support to that, to that department. We do emotional support rounding where we walk around and check in with team members, offer support and usually a piece of chocolate or a little snack as well. That does always help. <laughs> Snacks always, chocolate always helps. Um, and then we have conversations with colleagues, which is where we provide support around specific topics. So, you know, when the war in Ukraine started, for example, we had a conversation mm. with colleagues around that. We've had conversations with colleagues around COVID, vaccines, race, et cetera. Um, separate from those programs, we also disseminate a lot of information and tools. So we have a website on our website. We have a lot of bite-sized tools that actually folks in the community are, are welcome to look at. Um, we've printed coping cards, which are four by six cards with specific ideas for self-care. And then on the back, there are resources that folks can access. Um, we published a leader response guide with very specific information and tools to help leaders help their people. And we actually just finished literally this week creating well-being cards, which are just business-sized cards that offer evidence-based tools. So there's a gratitude card and a three good things card so that you can fill out the card. And then on the back, there's a quote and a QR code that takes you um, to our resources. So I lots of that. stuff lots of stuff going on. Um, I guess, you know, the one thing I do want to say is that while self-care and caring for each other is so important, we also need to look at how we look at the work, right? We need to think about changing the work. So do we need that weekly meeting? What is the value add for that particular task? Can we shift the work to more appropriate people? How can we remove those pebbles in our shoes? Because while we can support and should support our people, we also need to be preventive and proactive to avoid or, or at least reduce right, work-related stressors because we can't put all of that on the individual. We as organizations and businesses have to take a lot of that on ourselves as well. Yeah, you make a great point. You know, a lot of individuals, myself included, we spend at least eight hours a day, five days a week at work. So it needs to be a space where first off, we feel safe having conversations that are integral to our mental health. But yes. we also need to know that we are cared for. Um, so I think you just provided a lot of different ways that employers can start to, you know, if they're not already taking the lead, they can do so with those ideas. And we will be sure to share um, the resources you just suggested in your website um, after this podcast. Um, at the NC Chamber, we represent members across the entire state, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of members across literally dozens of industry sectors and various size organizations. So that said, Melissa, can you give us some tangible ideas and resources that businesses of any size um, and, you know, regardless of whether they're in the healthcare space or not, um, some resources that they can utilize to best support their employees? Uh, mental well-being. A absolutely. So, so there are some programs that might cost, and there are a lot, but there are a lot of things we can do that are absolutely free and in any size business. Right. So, we actually use a model in a lot of our work. Um, we we do listening, validating, caring, and referring. So, we listen. We truly listen to understand. We validate. Right. We validate others' feelings and experiences. 
we, we care, we do self-care, and then we refer to appropriate resources. Anyone can do that in any organization. We actually train our folks on how to do that. And when you think about what programs we can set up in our businesses, separate from an employee assistance program, which I know is easier for larger right. businesses, right? right? Setting up a peer support program, which is free, the only cost is time of an employee to help organize it, but caring for each other, right? Those are free. Um, there are actually some national resources that we refer to all the time. So we, there's the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline and the Crisis mm -hmm. Text Line that anyone can refer to anywhere in the US. Sure. Um, lots of other free stuff. So leader support, having your leaders check in with your people, right? Praising and encouraging, embedding that positivity and support. Um, being flexible with our workers, right? How, you know, can we be flexible around their schedules and times off? Can we, can the shifts be slightly different? People really need some of that right now. You know, when we have team meetings and huddles, just even for two minutes at the end or the beginning, making time and space to connect, right? To share, to be Great real, um, those types of things. And sometimes that's you know, you could go around and share one good thing, for example, or gratitude. Um, but you could also do just general check-ins, right? How are you doing? You know, how's it going? Um, there are some places I've seen have a mindfulness room. And yes, you could buy massage chairs, but also you could just have a little corner. It has quiet music. You could journal, little snacks, right? It doesn't have to cost a lot of money. Um, and then, of course, addressing the work and not just the person. So, but lots of things that folks can do. Yeah, those are fabulous ideas. And what I really like about a lot of those is that, you know, they're almost little micro changes that you can begin making in an organization, but then they end up having, especially collectively, this monumental impact by communicating to your employees that this is a priority as an organization to make sure that they are, you know, mentally well and, and feel safe and secure at work. So um, those are fabulous ideas. Um, we had a previous conversation um, at the NC Chamber about the importance of mental health being part of this whole person health um, and about ensuring that destigmatization of mental health issues is really ingrained into a company's culture. So what are some small and big steps, Melissa, that you think employers can take to implement that shift or readjustment in culture? Yeah, that's, it's a great question. So for those who can offer an employee assistance program or contract right to it, um, advertise it, right? Be, encourage folks to take advantage of it. Um, for those who can't and, and for those who can, simply validating and normalizing stress reactions and the need for help, right? It's okay to not be okay so that people won't feel alone. I, I think one of the biggest things is our leaders modeling vulnerability. What are we saying when we as leaders show up to work and it's always chin up, everything's great, everything's perfect, right? I'm always efficient and effective. When we do that, we're showing our people that, they're, that they can't be human, right? Instead, we need to very much show that we are human, that we all have hard days, that we're all trying to balance home and work, and that at times we all need help. And that could just look like a listening ear or support or a counselor. So just having us all be real and show up with you know authenticity i think is is so important and the other thing that i'll say is we we do a lot of leader rounding at duke and just having leaders come around and say how are you doing 
And, and when they're asking, we need to make sure that we're really asking to get the answer, right. not, not a fist bump, right? A fist right. bump isn't going to cut it. It's, it's how are you really doing? Because I care about you and I want to know, I want to check in with you and then just be quiet and listen to truly listen, right. To our people. That is just huge. It is. And, and I think you also gave some really specific ways that the C-suite and, and people managers can play a part in this culture shift um, in, in the answer that you just gave. So that's great. Um, you know, we've, Gary, we've learned a lot from Melissa today about the mental health crisis, and we've gotten some concrete ideas and takeaways for employers to bolster their mental health initiatives and begin conversations surrounding mental health at work. Um, so I wanted you to close us out here today, Gary and Melissa, you feel free to chime in after this if you'd like. But the question I want to leave us with today and, and, and start to discuss is what's the important business case here for making an investment in employees mental health? Because we we know it's not just a buzzword. We know this isn't just a phase. But a lot of business leaders like to see the, the data. They like to know what the real business case is here for, for shining a light on this and investing in it. So, Gary, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, thanks, Amy. I, you know, people are businesses. You know, we sometimes look at a business as this uh, entity that uh, is just out there. But businesses are made of people every business, whether it's a small business, a large business, it's the people that matter. It's the people that provide the value uh, in, into that business, which produces the jobs that provides value into our communities, right? And there's four key parts of a person that uh, come to work every day and go home every day. It's the physical, the mental, the emotional, and the financial. It's all part of that whole person that comes together, that comes into work. Uh, and if you're in a place uh, that you agree with the mission, which we're hearing more and more now as the workforce continues to change, that uh, the workforce is really looking at their employers and saying, okay, what are you all about? What are you contributing? What are, what's the mission and vision? And how, am I part of something bigger than myself? And that, 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 that inclusion, that belief that uh, where they are in terms of in their lives and what they want to do with their work time is more than about work. It's about using work in order to achieve something bigger than yourself. So the business case is really clear. The whole person comes to work. And the more whole person comes to work and the more the, the business and the people that work there uh, understand and support that and agree or are on the same mission and vision and value system, uh, the more successful the business is going to be, the more successful the business is to be, the more jobs it produces, the more revenues come into communities and the more communities can take care of people and invest in, sure. in, in teachers and invest in infrastructure and all the things they need to do. So at the end of the day, the business cases, it's all about people. Mm -hmm. And as people go through this reevaluation, now we, we hear about uh, reset or we're hearing about, I think it's more of a reevaluation. Mm -hmm. The pandemic, as we talked about earlier, uh, really had people step back and say, okay, I was on one path. The whole world changed uh, on a dime. Uh, whether you're in healthcare and you were there for 20 years and you've done extraordinary heroic things, you're stepping back and saying, okay, do I want to continue to do that? Uh, if you're, uh, if you were in a high travel job, you know, my career, I, before I joined the chamber, I was in a high travel job, gone 60% of the time. 
all of a sudden I was home with my family and having dinner every night. Do I want to do that again? Uh, Do I want to, you know, it's all changed. And so that reassessment is a great opportunity, but that's the business case too, because if you're competing for talent now, you have to compete and you got to meet people where they are. You got to, as Melissa said, you got to listen, you got to understand, and you got to innovate and recognize that without people, nothing happens without people, nothing gets sold without people and those services get performed and people don't care. If that doesn't happen, our communities suffer. So the business case is clear. Companies have realized that their investments in folks, whole health, mental health is increasing. There's a number of statistics from the American Psychiatric Association that is that are very, very clear. Companies are getting it. Now we're in a transition. We're in a culture shift uh, that you know was happening anyway, but a culture shift takes a little bit of time, but then you throw in isolation, a pandemic and, and, and loss and it all, it, it's a heck of a mixing pot, right? That now uh, creates opportunities for us that we didn't have before to really be better. So I, 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 the business case is really clear. We take care of people and we have the resources we need to take care of communities. And I can just, I feel the passion. Like when you speak about this, I mean, you just basically took us all to church. You, <laughs> thank you. Like you're really preaching the benefits here and, and they make perfect sense. And, and Melissa, is there anything that you want to add on, on the business case side for making investments in, in mental health for employees? Yeah, I think I think Gary um, did a great job of just encapsulating exactly exactly what I was thinking. The only thing I'll, I'll just sort of you know pinpoint that he said right is there's a huge cost to staff turnover, right. um, and there's a huge cost to having unhappy and unproductive people at work. And until we really embrace the idea of welcoming our people and all of our people, their whole selves to our workplace, right? That includes any mental health concerns. That includes all of their identities, being welcoming and supportive and inclusive. That will then breed happy and productive employees who aren't gonna want to leave, right? And so that's, that's the business case right there. And I think Gary did a great job of saying it. Thank you. I think you've both done a really brilliant job kind of making making it clear that employers and job creators are really poised to lead here. Um, They have the resources and and they have the time with these employees that show up every day to work to really make a meaningful difference uh, in their lives. So thank you both so much for joining me today. I think it's been a really great conversation and one that I really hope listeners will take to heart and to mind (laughs) as they put more attention into mental health at their workplaces. Um, So thank you both so much for joining me today. Thanks for having us. Ladies and gentlemen, this was Gary Salamito, President and CEO of the NC Chamber, and Melissa Siegel, Administrative Director of Culture and Wellbeing for the Duke Center for Healthcare Safety and Quality. Thank you for tuning in to this month's edition of the Business Playbook. At the NC Chamber, our mission is to research, develop, advocate, and communicate for solutions and policies that produce a nationally competitive business climate in North Carolina. For more information on how the NC Chamber can advocate for your business, visit ncchamber.com.